Hello and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey-o. Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to our latest show. This episode, we're getting back into the festival spirit as more start to emerge from the atrocious last 18 months <laughs> we've had. And take a close look at film screening at one of our favourites, though mm. neither of us have actually been. No, that's The true. New York Asian Film Festival. Yes. yes. Or how should we say the acronym? I don't want to say... Or it looks to me, it always looks like Nyaf, which is a gla- in Glasgow would mean something else. Not anything <laughs> offensive, but you mean Nyaf. You, you know, so I don't like to call it Nyaf, but that's how it looks to me. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, as Anne Hoyer receives the Variety Star Asia Lifetime Achievement Award as part of that festival, Michael Becker catches up with her to talk about the documentary based on her, mm. Keep Rolling. But firstly, let's get to the most important question. <laughs> what are you drinking this episode, James? Uh, I'm a smorgasbord. Smorgasbeard? I don't it's know. Beer. <laughs> no, of different beers. Um, three of which are very respectable percentages and one of which has turned out not to be. But they're across the craft spectrum, let's just say that. I'm not going to mention them all. But yeah, not too bad, man. And yourself, you seem to have a nice, that's a yep. nice looking beer there. A nice looking beer. So I've got uh, Black Widow, which Ooh. is a strong, dark, ruby mild oh. uh, from Eight Sale Brewery, who are oh. based in Heckington, uh, Heckington in Lincolnshire, right. Heckington okay. Windmill. Eight Sale, the brewery is on the Eight Sale oh, Windmill. Very nice. And they've got Eight Sales because they nicked for you to add to. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> some that were left over from some windmills that were taken down. So, uh, yes. What's the percentage? 5.5. Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> right. Here's cheers. To <laughs> uh, right now. Pao Pinya Pijina. Eh? So let's get on. It's 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 great to see festivals start to come back in, in kind of a live yeah. form rather than Oh, a lot of online yeah. things I mean, that we've been seeing. I mean, we've like New York Asian Film Festival is doing a, a like hybrid, hybrid again, yeah. but I mean, they've got a really quite a big selection. They do, there's yeah. a, lot, a lot of films in there and stuff. And I think yeah. hybrid will probably be the way forward. And it's totally fair enough when you got to even like for the next well, who knows for how long, but there's always going to be some level of risk stuff. And you can't, I mean, we know ourselves that you know, it takes you like six months to program plan and stuff. And if you're only in, in cinemas now, then that's yeah, it's a huge risk to be taking a six months of work that could suddenly mm. be cancelled. So hybrid makes sense and yeah. everything. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm dog tired, I'm, you know, bone sick of like online stuff and everything, mm. to be honest. But uh, I think hybrid is probably the most sensible. And, and I think we'll probably see that maintaining. And I mean, without knowing exactly what their geographic coverage is within the US, if it's US wide for their online stuff or not, I, I think as well, it's not a bad way for festivals to reach 
you know, it's in the UK, like as a London festival, you know, if your online thing is UK wide, that, that's, yeah. it's not actually a bad thing. Or, I think it's yeah. the same deal um, from, from what I've seen and what they did last year and mm. um, which is quite interesting for them because they they do overlap with a lot of other film festivals even yeah. in, in in New York and around that area you can always have Japan Cups yes, and you so have true, yeah. uh, several others that are going on mm, at the same time mm. so it's, it's it's quite tricky there's always always overlap on, on the films well, we've got Fantasia pretty much the same time as well yeah. I mean, in Canada but um, yeah there's a lot of other stuff going a lot of these festivals their timings and stuff I guess are kind of slightly different to what they would usually be in the yeah. you know, move shifting around the calendar on just you know understandably yeah uh, and everything so whether or not that's gonna stick to these new slots next year or go back to old ones I, I don't know but uh, yeah it's very good to be able to actually go back to these festivals and uh, you know I, I, I don't know what their numbers are like but hopefully they are seeing a good return of people actually coming into cinemas because mm. you know we're not <laughs> we're not in the UK put it that way yeah. you know um, yeah. and I don't think I expect when we get into winter I don't know. We'll see what happens. With yeah. We've got London coming up here and everything, and London Korean Film Festival and everything. So we'll see how they how they fare yeah. fare with it, and, and you know, obviously hope for the best, but fear for the worst. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> so let's stick with New York Asian yeah, Film Festival, yeah. and and we're gonna pick some of the films we've seen and some of the ones that have yeah. been uh, liked by some of the writers at Eastern Kicks as well, and really mm. just kind of just kind of talk through them I think they're, they're kind of starting with the centerpiece which was one we had a lot of hopes for which is Raging Fire Raging the last Fire. film by Benny Chan yes yeah yeah and it, starring Donnie Yen and Nicholas E and yeah it's I, I don't know I, I mean even like you know what you just said you know it's the last film by you know Benny Chan and everything he was you know obviously had such a huge impact on the industry and you know the action genre yeah and everything in general it makes it a hard film you know, to judge in a way because, you know, as, as that kind of swan song and obviously because we're seeing such a reduction of Hong Kong, <laughs> Hong Kong genre films and everything and like and still will. So it, it's a film which is very... I don't know, quite a lot at, at uh, New York Asian Film Festival. We it's are. Probably the, the, the last... The final wave, man, the last hurrah, you know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, with Raging Fire, to, for that respect, it, it is kind of a... It's hard not to be a bit sad you know and everything thinking about it and talking about it for all these reasons and stuff but um uh you liked it better than i did though <laughs> i think i think that's fair to say i mean i i i, I didn't love it um mm. i did think you know as far as the action goes you know it's the one thing you yeah know, we always love from from benny chan and yeah that was that was well done um i agree yeah you know it was it's all very solidly kind of put together my Biggest issue with the film is is the pacing. Yeah, yeah. repeat the, the 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 long, very extended mm. flashbacks. Yeah, all the oh um, that just yeah. come back and and you just think, okay, yeah, yeah, the point has been made. Do we need more? <laughs> oh no, hang on, hang on, we'll get another five minutes. No, let's have, let's have a ten minute courtroom scene flashback and everything. And then you know, again, without spoiling anything, just the ins- the absolute insanity of like suddenly one of the, the film's biggest plot points then is suddenly squeezed it. One of the most efficient like thirty seconds of film <laughs> I've ever seen. It's just that fuck. That's brilliant. That, and that yeah. part is fantastic. And it's just completely at odds with most of the rest of the film. And like you say, the action is very well designed. Um, the only problem I had with the action is like one of those films where everything is so obviously a set 
and it's been designed around what's about to happen. So yeah. when, when they walk into a room, you're like, wait, it doesn't actually look like a normal room. That's about five times the size. Okay, that's why. You know, yeah. Suddenly yeah. they're jumping around and throwing stuff. But I mean, that's you get that in lots of films. So it's not specifically a criticism. But I think after, you know, the last few years and stuff, or the last five years, I guess, um, we, I think we've seen some more sort of realistic or gritty and grounded action films. This is not a gritty or grounded action film. This is very much in that kind of Hong Kong, early 2000s, you know, that kind of style and stuff, quite it's, over the top. I mean, it's it's over the very, top, very but it's very, it's very, I mean, CG and, and that, yeah. we should kind of clarify in terms of the, the blood spurts, mm, which, mm, mm. Um, you know, us being old school, we're quite, yeah. we were quite happy with the, like, the, the potting, uh, the popping little <laughs> pads very, you used to have. Absolutely, absolutely. Or, know, just or just it. not showing it. Yeah. It's, not, it's not required, but it, I think it, it is, quite uh brutal the violence you know it may be not in in terms of of yeah, sure, Kong, sure. you know um but and it is nicely designed but that just the other problem i think and, and it's i think it, it goes hand in hand with these extended mm. you know, flashbacks is it's very very po-faced yeah absolutely and yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. biggest problem i have with it and i mean we were you know before the podcast we were talking about they actually this was kind of the direction that, that you know apart from meow was kind of the direction <laughs> that benny chan has been going in for, for quite a while um but it really true, does true. take itself yes. way way it's too seriously us. and and that's yeah. that's the bit you know you kind of feel you know having mm. you know rewatched big bullet you know, recently yeah, yeah. And, and massively enjoyed it mm. um that's it's the real kind of, well. kind of, uh, that's the kind of disappointment, really. Because yeah. Donnie Yen's fine in it, you know, he's, he's, he's reasonably solid. Just Benny Chan does his old mate Nicholas C a big favour by giving him yes, yeah, the he, much more he, enjoyable role to play, even though as yeah. a villain he is utterly one-dimensional. Nothing about his schemes make any sense, but he seems to have a great time. Yeah. Uh, which is the key The key. And he point. also has a very interesting line in uh, sit-up exercises. <laughs> <laughs> which you have to see doing, from. Doing his sit-ups with his limbs and whatnot, but and he also has a liking for Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> which is weirdly not the main, film's main drink spot. No, bonsai. San Miguel. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we, that's the wormhole we should go down at some point trying to figure There's probably a connection, mm. but there's just that scene where him and his gang are just sitting there and they're all drinking perfectly placed bottles of Budweiser with the labels all turned around to face the camera. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's kind of classic Hong Kong. It is, sponsor, it is, isn't it, it is. I mean, no, I it's just funny. That. I don't have a problem with it. It's, yeah. just, it's just hilarious. And well, not being a Budweiser fan, the king of beers, I don't, I don't really think so. But you know? because it's cut so po-faced, you, you kind yeah. of want the sort of more enjoyable... I mean, again, going back to Big Bullet, there's the wonderful scene between louching around and the, uh, the, the villain protagonist in there, Rue Youngao, yeah, that they... You know, they have that scene in the lift and they're really taunting each other. And, and, yeah. and it's, yeah. this, it does lack that kind of... And there's no... And for me as well, like I think the other problem I had with it was, you know, it's, it's clearly very much going for a John Woo thing. Without spoiling yourself, you know, there's a scene in the hospital which is very... You know, it looks like it's going to go hard-boiled. Just yeah. Trying the kid. There's yeah, there's two kind of gun, So much to... There's some gun stuff. Um, you know, and then, again, without giving too much away, they end up in a in a church yeah yeah there's the no, no doves but still or pigeons but um it's yeah it's very but it's it just doesn't there's no chemistry or it mm. works between donnie and nicholas a. like you said nicholas a is great he has a good time donnie and just looks pained the whole way through the film mm. and it, you know in the usual way it's just the role it's not particularly his fault or anything but there, there's 
you know, we're supposed to have that kind of John Woo dynamic. Yeah. Where he, you know, Nicholas says like, um, without saying, you know, he's a cop, he's fallen into trouble and uh, he's a guy, you know, he's a criminal. But you don't have that kind of like mirroring or that kind of homoerotic or the buddy, but there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that sort of brotherhood. Nothing, there's nothing there. Uh, and it, it's a, so it's like a heroic, it should be a heroic bloodshed thing, but it's just not. Yeah. And I, I, I really thought. It's kind of like a flip that left side of the killer, isn't it, really? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Know, the, the, but it just doesn't, that part doesn't come off. Not at all. At all. Not 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 at all. You know, like I say, it's 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 you know it's a swan song for for many China stuff, which is sad, and it's not you know it's not a swan song for Hong Kong cinema, but it's kind of thing we'll see less and less of. Um, but I don't know, I couldn't bring myself to like it that much. Don't definitely don't hate it, mm. but just couldn't bring myself to like it that much, just because. Because of the way it is, it, it's so mm. set up to be compared to old school Hong yeah. Kong films. If it wasn't, if it was, if it didn't have this kind of John Woo thing, you know, if it wasn't Benny Chan, if it was other stuff, then you know, maybe it, it would be. And, and, and you know, and in terms of, I, I would definitely say if it, if it had a good twenty minutes chopped out, well, of it, which is a lot of the, you know, was, you, yeah. you, you the first pretty much between flashbacks, so bad dreams, and whatever, the first <laughs> half hour is about setting up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Donnie in so much about setting his character up as a, as a, as a good cop. We already know he's righteous. It's fucking Donnie. Yeah. It's Donnie yeah, and We don't need loads and loads of flashbacks yeah. of him. We know he's right. We don't need to see him like going into a large dinner scene, which takes about five minutes again as well, just so he can like go into the bathroom, get angry, and come back and say, "No, I won't. I won't do this. How dare you? I'm a good cop." I mean, it's just, it's just, know. it's just ridiculous. And it, it, it yeah. without with that chopped out, I think. Well, one would be it would be a lot better it would be a lot better I, I would nudge it to three stars then. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm yeah, yeah, serious yeah. I, I, two hours six minutes is the nonsense for that film. Mm. Uh, you know and I think Invisible Target it's very similar to Invisible Target yeah. in a lot of ways but I preferred Invisible Target actually mm. it, it was more I mean as well I guess product of its time and stuff Liban Pope Guy Do So let's kind of stick with the Hong Kong films yeah, and yeah. the genre films that are playing at the, mm. the Asian Film Festival. So. And there are quite a lot. A lot of them have Gordon Lamb in, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Which, which uh, we don't want to give any... I, I, I feel like I should say something, but I don't want to give any spoilers about what happens to his character in... 
many of those films. Yeah. Anyway, but yes, for the first one of which is Hand Rolled Cigarettes yeah, yeah. Um, by Chan King Ong. Excellent um, which is a yeah, really solid piece of drama. I mean, it doesn't... It's a debut. Yes, drama, yeah, yeah, very yeah. confident. Very confident debut. It's, it can have properly... I mean, whether you call it noir, neo-noir, whatever, man, it, it still it nails that Hong Kong feel, you know, from the 90s, early 2000s. A lot of neon, lots mm. of... The shadows, like the way it's lit, everything. It feels like a proper old school Cantonese Hong Kong, authentic, you know, yeah. you know drama. And it has a thing, you know, it kind of goes through like character drama, the triads, whatnot, and everything. With a, you know, with a sort of very effective but slightly weird sort of quirkiness, yeah, in places, and then suddenly launches into very bloody <laughs> for the whole right yeah, which is still, but it's great. And Gordon Lum's fantastic in it as yeah. well. I mean, he's. Yeah. Just suddenly, like one of the best actors, <laughs> and he you know, really, he really, really is. But you know, obviously, like you said we've seen him in so many films over the years in small parts, and, mm. uh, and now just suddenly he's going all the way back to things like Infernal Affairs. Yeah, that's, and, yeah, you know, that's he's been right. around for a, for an wow. awfully long time, hasn't he? Absolutely, not sure. But never made, really. Did he make any category three films? I don't know. <laughs> he probably turned off as a pervert and something, but but yeah, he's he's fantastic in that, and it's and again, and yeah, I mean. Should we lead on to the other film that he's one of the leads in? Well, but yeah, yeah. Limbo, uh, Limbo as well by the director of uh, Horror Hotline, Big Head Monster. So I, have, I have to get that in there <laughs> every, every time so Chan comes up. I have to mention that film. But and Limbo, many other films, including, I mean, yeah, so several were worked with Johnny Toe, yeah. Milky Way for a while with Accident, and yes. other films. Really, yeah. I mean, and it's a real, again, that's a super gritty very stylized very dirty very you can smell it i think when you grimy hong kong yeah, yeah. Presents there. black and white it's but you know black and white is a hard thing to pull off and this film really does it you know it's, it's it, really super sharp kind of hard contrast isn't it absolutely and, and, and very i mean you can tell that there's however chaotic it looks there's a lot mm. of art direction that's gone yeah. oh, into for sure it's amazing like i mean even it, it presenting looks, it and it reminded me a, a bit of like a bit of Tetsuo kind of in there, a bit of like you know the Ghost in the Shell anime and mm. stuff. To just that level of deep, like you say, yeah. the, there must have been so much work that all the trash. There's, there was a lot of everything. I mean, there, there was art direction. I think it's, there's there's got to be CG work in there as well. But that's where the black and white helps as well. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. but it, it it all comes together and. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we mentioned in a previous when we were talking about PTU. Mm. Again, it's like the whole missing gun. The whole, you know, cop loses the gun plot and stuff. And it's another one where the plot is, yeah, if you boil it down, it's incredibly simple. Yeah. And this random stuff just happens in it and everything. But it all works for, it just works very well, everything. I mean, it's um, it's not as hardcore as uh, Dog Bite Dog, which uh, I watched again the other day. Mm. It's still, you know, Soi Chang's most brutal. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's relentlessly nihilistic and bleak. Whereas I think Limbo has a bit more light at the end of the tunnel I don't know yeah, I don't know how to say yeah. it but you know what I mean it's, and it's got the co-star there being uh, Ang Lee's kid of course of course who's who's a bit weird in it um, I'm not convinced by that bit of casting which is one of the only reasons I didn't I didn't think Limbo was five stars but uh, yeah I don't know. he's fine in it he's fine but I know yeah, what you mean fine. I know what he, he, yeah. you know what you mean about him being yeah. a bit off but they do they do you know at least they kind of reference it as well I think they, get, they kind of, of do it's weird yeah. like and but to me he's just like the kid from the hangover film you know <laughs> where they go to Thailand and everything <laughs> and I mean to be lost. fair it's quite uh, I, I, it's, it's interesting the roles that he's doing you know, a lot yeah. of kind of 
you know, um, suburban birds and yes. dead pigs. And yeah, like yes. It, it, no, no. I mean, credit to the guy. He's a, he's a very interesting repertoire stuff mm. he's been in and stuff. I just don't think he's a great actor, or maybe not being massively used. I don't know. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. In in limbo, it does seem to be. It's not pointed, but you you know they they do kind of make some, you know, references to. Him. You know, being that kind of like fresh faced and blah 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 and everything, it's which is okay, but um, and sometimes you just you know, the plot of like the serial killer and the severed hand and stuff like that kind of just disappears for a while, <laughs> but you know, not in not because it gets into melodrama or any real fillers, it just goes off on a lot of random directions, yeah. and it's know. different from you know, to go back to all, all the, the loose, the hang loose strings that are left in uh, <laughs> in Rage of Fire that, that are just yeah. kind of. Yeah, left in and I think or just pointless yeah. yeah whereas this when he goes off in random directions I quite like the fact that some a lot of those are just never tied back in and stuff yeah. so there's just stuff that happens which is quite cool but yeah. I, I just I would love to see that on the big screen because that cinematography it's, it's stunning I mean it's, mm. it, it, I think that is all really what I mean we're talking about hand-rolled cigarette has that sort of proper old school Hong Kong not quite one core wide but that kind of look whereas this yeah, with the black yeah. and white is so distinctive it's definitely yeah. one of the best uses of black and white I've seen in uh, films for recent memory. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's coming at the time when it's come. Because, you know, it is. You know, I've said it's not as hardcore as like Dog by Dog, but it is still very, very violent. It's um, a bit dodgy. Violent, gory, <laughs> gory. A dodgy, kind of very old yeah. uh, old school Gatry kind of dodgy, which yeah. we won't go into. No, no, but it, it, yeah, it might yeah. trigger folk and everything. You know, understandably, yeah. it does have that kind of your old school Hong Kong attitude towards stuff and everything. So it's just, again, you know, we'll see if more films like this can be made. I mean, I, I saw, read like an interview with him and people were asking him that question and he was just saying, oh, I'm hopeful for the future and everything. So, you know, fair play to you, pal. But, um, yeah, it's one of the best Hong Kong films and one of the most Hong Kong, Hong Kong films. I mean, both, both that and Handled Cigarette, I mean, that'd be, that's a good double bill. Even. Yeah. Just those two, like old school Hong Kong crime, yeah. hard, hard borrowed type film, you know. Very cool. Very cool. bit of genre we've got the we've got shadows yes which are now Steffi Tang shadows I mean it was Glenn Chan the director yeah. I think it's you know I wasn't aware of before to be honest but I mean I think it's his is this his his debut I think maybe TV director he's before, TV director yeah. yeah I think but no it's another one they say genre film uh, very sensible running time <laughs> around the 19 minute mark it was of course the the closing the, film of the, the last film ever, ever. For the Chinese Visual Festival, yes, our own, our own little, little baby <laughs> that we put to sleep. No. <laughs> <laughs> what did we do? Smother it? <laughs> that sounds very creepy, man. <laughs> we put sleep. We didn't put it to sleep. CCP put it to sleep. 
<laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, it was the, the last film ever CVF would screen, and I'm not. I'm glad we screened a Hong Kong genre film. It seems kind of fitting mm. in that respect, and it's. Uh, it's got a lot. It's it's got probably well. I mean, uh, really, way too much going on in terms exactly, of she's exactly. got exactly. Uh, yeah. Steffi Tang plays the lead. She's got yeah. these abilities to mm. kind of see into people's brains and kind of work them out. <laughs> quite, but then it's undefined. All this, it'll defined the, as well, but not in a bad. It's quite a, funny. A, yeah. I mean, it is. It is kind of hilarious. I think what's great about it is it just goes for everything. Absolutely, at, at, absolutely. At full pelt. It doesn't really give you a chance to no, think. There's no to, to, to look at the the gaping holes in the plot, or <laughs> um, and leaves yeah. on a very uh, ambiguous end yeah. as to who really is the villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, it's, it's actually which I, I thought I really did actually like that part. It's one. Yeah, no, you're right. It's one of the few films where that it doesn't kind of annoy. You know that kind of stuff, but it, just because it, it doesn't hang around long enough for it to make things hang on. Like, wait, what, what are, are we going to? You just hear the door this, slamming behind how, you. How long is this? <laughs> it, it does have flashbacks, but they don't last ten minutes. No, the they don't last. Ten, oh my god! No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it's yeah, it's a very solid genre film. Steffi Tang's very good in it. I mean, she, not. You know, Gordon Lamb, we're saying, has become one of the best. But I think she is she's building up a really good body of work. And it, yeah, again, and stuff, you know, kind of you know? look back on on stuff that she's. Mm. She's involved with. I mean, uh, as we were recording it today, we posted uh, James's review of Hong Kong Horror Stories, which oh has yes, Steffi yes, yeah, that, she's back in shenanigans, yeah, a, a decade ago, isn't it? That yeah, two thousand eleven. Yeah. I think that's a long way back, but um, yeah, she I mean, yeah, stuff like Empty Hands. She's mm. still fantastic. The last few years, great, I mean, there's, there's, it's almost she's definitely kind of emerged. As the lead and yeah. playing lots of really good roles, lots of different roles. Mm. Um, she's not really just seen it because before, you know, I guess, you know, going back a week, she was kind of like a rom com mm. type and everything that she was. I mean, she was good and stuff, but um, you know, yeah, I think now she's much more. She seems to be one of the few Hong Kong actresses, you know, who've kind of emerged as getting some kind of respect and everything, which is good. So you know, and she's really good. In, yeah, she's good in shadows and stuff, and it is doesn't make much sense but it's very atmospheric like you see it moves gets about its business very efficiently and briskly and mm. it's not quite murderer but you know it's still oh, pretty wacky <laughs> that's another another film we have to mention whenever we can you know <laughs> we should do a podcast on murder i think we could do like a we could just record a watch through uh, you know <sighs> get it with some people who haven't seen it before <laughs> <laughs> So sticking with Hong Kong, I mean, there's several other films uh, mm. are screening here as well. Um, things like, I mean, one that we really wanted to see, uh, Coffin Homes, a new one from Brute Chan. Yes. Oh, my um, God. I really, really want to see that, but, you know, we didn't, obviously we didn't get a chance to, which is a shame, but that sounds, I mean, I understand it goes over some, you know, dream home type territory, but with ghosts and stuff, and it sounds great, man. I, I, yeah. can't, I can't wait to see that, i got to say, you know. And it, yeah, I mean, there's 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 quite a few others. I mean, you, you, one second champion. Yes. yes. Um, time, which was uh, very well liked. Still didn't watch it, but yeah, yeah. It, sounds, it sounds good. Breakout Brothers, the way we keep dancing, which <laughs> probably really not, doesn't sound probably like not for us, but... not for us here as a hero. <laughs> and and sticking with Hong Kong, the, the, of course, as we mentioned earlier in the program, it's, the festival is. Uh, awarding Anne Hoy. Yes, yeah, yeah, very, very the, good. The well-deserved Variety Star Asia Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, mm. And yeah, screening Keep Rolling. Yeah. 
two or three older films as well. Yeah, well. Story of Wu Vep and uh, The Boat People. Boat People, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah fantastic. I mean, it's, as you say, very well deserved and stuff. I still haven't actually seen Keep Rolling uh, myself, mm-hmm. but it sounds like a very interesting doc. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, you have this kind of thing like going through her career, kind of getting mm. to the stage. I mean, uh, was it, I Love After Love mm. still hasn't really rolled out properly. You know, you know, it's one of those unfortunate ones which got caught right in the middle of the pandemic stuff. Um, I think it was Venice that played that last mm. year, right? And then it just, you know, everything kind of, it, during that very, one of those very brief windows <laughs> where some things opened up, you, you know. So I, I look forward to seeing that again. Hopefully on the big screen would be nice. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's very well deserved. Uh, it's good to see, because, you know, we know ourse- ourselves like getting some of those older films, just finding, getting a screening version and being able to put them on the big screen is such a challenge. So, you know, having any of those films playing is very cool. Yes, from from the lady that uh, her producer Roger Lee referred to as the grandmother of Hong Kong cinema, <laughs> which is a phrase that I'm not never going to let him forget. Used. <laughs> so let's hear what uh, Anne Hoy makes of of the documentary about her with the interview with Maya. Hi, I... hi, hi, hi! It's so nice to meet you. And uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, I'm sorry that there will be some, um, because I'm at the airport, because I, I um, got to know about the interview yesterday, so I couldn't change plans, and I'm, I'm really sorry about the, the sounds sometimes, um, but um, yeah, it's um, so nice to meet you, and I'm, I'm really honoured to, to talk with you. Um, <laughs> um, so... Um, well, um, maybe I could start with the first question. I, I remember when I was um, uh, reading about Angie Chen, uh, Chen, Chen Anqi, um, she was saying that um, like um, during the 80s in, in sh- at the film sets, women couldn't really um, sit on uh, film equipment, like the camera equipment. Um, and I was wondering if you, um, if you encountered similar situation at the beginning of your career, um, or or um, or, or the the same one, uh, I I that that sitting on the camera box fit is I still haven't fathomed whether it's exclusively for women or for both men and women. Uh, when. I, I, I wasn't warned because, uh, or maybe they didn't warn me, or sometimes I really do set on these boxes and other people uh, did that too, but I'm not sure it's exclusively something uh, not for women. <laughs> so I, I, I have to check, I don't know, uh, yeah. Um, when I was uh, reading about, um, <clears throat> Uh, Man Lin Chang, uh, the uh, director of Keep Rolling, he said that he met you when you were a lecturer at the at the Hong Kong Polytechnic University, and um, um, I don't know if I may ask what, what sort of um, because in Keep Rolling you you are um, talking a lot about um, uh, work and um, like um, making a living as a filmmaker. And I was wondering what other jobs have you done um, except for filmmaking? Uh, since uh, since I started making films or what? 
uh, since you started making films. Oh yes. Uh, in since I started making feature films in 1979, uh, at various times, uh, I made commercials. Uh, whenever, uh, sometimes when I'm asked, and if I could, I will make commercials, but very few. And then uh, I have variously uh, during these times, I have uh, uh, took a sabbatical and worked for two years teaching at the various universities in Hong Kong. And various times I have taken up uh, on part-time teaching, uh, sometimes in Hong Kong University, sometimes in uh, 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 City University, and even in uh, the uh, uh, university in Xiamen. I go there on weekends to teach the documentary uh, filmmakers. And then I have made uh, documentaries uh, when people ask me. Uh, I think I have made uh, two, one for RTHK about the singer-songwriter uh, Hou Dejian and one uh, the uh, Taiwan uh, uh, TV station. Uh, for 1997, about uh, what we went through for 1997. And then I have made three series of interviews uh, for the various TV stations in Hong Kong. Uh, one for ATV uh, about uh, people in the cultural business uh, uh, and then just interviews uh, for, I think it's uh, five, six interviews, one of 20 odd minutes each. And then I made two more for Star TV later, uh, six of uh, Hong Kong uh, personalities in films and uh, yeah, two, uh, and then six for Taiwan and mainland China uh, in around 1993. Actually, I do these jobs uh, when I couldn't find film work. <laughs> I've also, <laughs> I also uh, did a television movie about Mongolian uh, writers uh, in 1992 uh, for, for, for TV. Uh, and then uh, uh, I've done a, a drama, uh, mm. uh, yeah, stage, mm. stage uh, in 2010, just once. So I, I Actually, I try to find work whenever I can, actually, because I like to work. Uh. <laughs> yes, I can totally get how like multitasking works because being a, a film critic doesn't really cover anything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know, like... Um, just the film festivals and meeting people just is um, so rewarding that it's all worth it. And yeah. that's, that's why I, I was wondering if you have any um, like specific memories of encounters during film festivals that you, um, that you remember. Oh, too or many. That changed your life at like a film festival that changed your life in a way. Oh. Uh... Changing my life, maybe not. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I haven't uh, met a sweetheart in film festival. <laughs> Change my life. Or, or, but uh, I think, in fact, I feel that uh, uh, lots of people have been very kind to me. 
the person I remember most is uh, called Anne Head. Head, and she, I was uh, in Berlin in nineteen eighty, very very early. Mm. Uh, they they invited me, and I didn't know what festivals were all about. I'm none at all. I I didn't I didn't know about uh, Berlin festival what, and and then I, I just went. Uh, they, uh, uh, and then uh, their press agent is called Anne, and she was very, very kind to me. She uh, showed me around and uh, brought me to parties and generally showed me what a film festival was like. And she's especially nice to young filmmakers. I mean, at that time I was a young filmmaker. So I, I really appreciate her kindness. And uh, uh, I, even to this day, I, I, I remember her. And um, because um, like um, Keep Rolling is a um, is a film about you, and that's what um, made me wonder if you ever um, considered um, making a film about another filmmaker, um, and uh, if yes, who would that be? I mean, in in the 90s, I mean, I was always thinking about uh, trying to do a film on Hu Xiaoxie. Uh, now it's a little bit late uh, uh, because he's uh, not making a film now, right now, and probably uh, will be a long time maybe before he can make a film. And because I thought that uh, a lot of making off uh, are not good enough because they do not have an angle. They just give you a few clips about uh, what they think, what the movie movie making people are uh, saying, what they want to make of the film, instead of how they do it. And going on set for a long time is a very, very good uh, chance for showing people how exactly the film is made and how the effects exactly are created. And so, what a, and really, what the real difficulties are on set, and especially about uh, how uh, from a, an idea or what, or, 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 or especially with the actors, how for each take they're different and that kind of thing. And I'm really interested in tracing um, technically uh, how the film achieves its effect, but I never managed to. Uh, make time or, you know, really, uh, because for one thing, you need a lot of uh, support from the subject itself. And they usually find it a bore that someone is following them around all the time and asking all kinds of questions. So I, I, I didn't, I stalled at that and I, I didn't, I didn't do it. And um, because just asking them questions or reading interviews or watching their films is uh, maybe not good enough, but um, maybe uh, the thing is the mixed motive. Uh, if you only want to satisfy your own curiosity uh, or for learning purposes, you can just go and watch. You don't need to make a film about it. So uh, if you make a film about it, it's a, it's a completely different story. Um. Actually, I thought that Hu Xiaoxian was uh, preparing a film with Shu Qi, like about the tai Taipei water, um, yeah. the water drains or something, like about um, 
那个美人鱼<咳>那个 Sirens， 嗯、um, ，Yeah， but um yeah that 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 um I suppose that would be amazing to see, um but yeah I I can't really imagine how how would it be to to be on the on the film set with Hou Xiaoxian, um and um uh the well, lastly, I, I would like to ask about um, uh, Zhang Ailing, um, um, uh, because after um, well, uh, making love after love, um, uh, well, have, do, do you still want to, um, or do you do you um, plan to make um, adaptation of any of her novels or short stories? Actually, I have been asked. <laughs> they they bought the rights of <coughs> her last novel, I mean, which was, which was uh, uh, published posthumously. Uh, it's called Xiao uh, Tuan Yuan. Uh, how do you call it? Little Reunion uh, about her life and her mother. Uh, but I I really don't want to do that because uh, maybe the chance should be left to other filmmakers <laughs> because I've been making three films about her novels already. So I, I, I declined. Very interesting to hear. Mm. So let's move on to some of the other films that are playing at the festival. Okay, um, we've got quite a few from South Korea as well. Yeah, yeah, we um, do. Spirit Walker, which played uh, last year at yeah. It, I mean, it was a you know without going into it, it was a slightly confusing situation. So it's a different version, but it, it seems mainly the soundtrack and a couple of main uh, minor edits to it and everything. Yeah. I, I don't imagine it changes the film very much, to be honest. Uh, it's not bad. It, it, I mean, you can't say too much about the plot, not just because we were told specifically we can't say anything about the plot, <laughs> but because it's, it's just a complete high concept thing. A fella who, you know, opens with a guy having been in a car crash and can't remember anything about himself, and suddenly every 12 hours his, his soul or his spirit, whatever, like, jumps into a different body, and he keeps jumping between different bodies at, you know, every 12 hours, and he has, he's trying to figure out what's happened. Um, even if I told you what the, what it's about, you know, I still, I'd still have to give you a bunch of flashbacks or long chat because it's, <laughs> it, it's not, you know, it's not bad. It's just, it is very, very convoluted and caught up in its own cleverness. Uh, but then, like a third, two thirds of the way through, and it's not a spoiler at all. Like two thirds of the way through, it just jets into, you know, to full on hardcore action, mm. which is great because by that stage you're just like, all right, I got, I got the point for the rest of it a while ago. Yeah, and it's, it's really well choreographed action. I, well, I think again, it's, it's going, it does getting at the. Um, an award uh, for the, the, the action it's, award. It's great action. I mean, I mean, it's very old boy, bittersweet life type stuff mm -hmm. and everything, but it's, it's properly violent and bloody, nicely choreographed. So it's, you know, and it's not that long either. I think it's like an hour and 40 or something like that. Or So it's not like korean -y. <laughs> we we don't have lots of tears and stuff, but it, its main problem or challenge is the fact that, you know, every time he goes into a different body, 
Um, you see the face of the other person for like two seconds and you just see the same actor and stuff. And then right. he, he kind of acquires their skill sets kind of in a Liam neeson kind of way, roughly. Um, but it kind of undermines itself a bit because after a while, it's not like he's going into different bodies. It's just like, oh, it's him again, it's him again, it's him again. Still wearing the same clothes as he is at you know, the start of the film. So, And I can see why, because if you, you you'd just be really confusing if he did switch. But it's a difficult thing to get around in that concept. But it's still, you know, it's still... You know, I respect the ambition. They did try something slightly different with it, and it's a fun film. And when it gets to action, it it does really fly. So it, it's definitely worth catching. Also, we have the prayer, mm. which is a actually a extended TV. We episode, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things I'm not going to rant about too much. But having read the <laughs> synopsis, where it was promised like her grand wing all and like shocking and stuff, no. It's. I mean, it's it's done by the dude, um, Min Kyung Dong, or yeah. Min Kyung Dong, who, who yeah. did um, Memento Mori, which, which is the best of the the Whispering Corridors. It's a fantastic film. Um, it's actually one of the best Korean horrors, I'd say. Uh, and he also worked on horror stories, some of those and stuff. But I mean, yeah, the Prayer is part of this uh, SF eight, yeah. what it's called, which is like Black Mirror type stuff, but AI and everything. Um, and then this was extended into a feature for about an hour and 20 minutes or something. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's about it's some sort of care home where people who are either terminally ill or anything could go and they're cared for by androids who are made to look like one of their family members. So it's okay premise and stuff. But the way, you know, it was publicized or pushed, it was like, mm. you know, they're shocking. This whole, you know, and it's not at all. It's a very quiet kind of meditation. Uh, you know, always one of the robots starts, you know, developing human emotions and we get to chat about euthanasia, lots of spirituality, is there a God, etc, etc. So it's good. It, it's interesting, but better. I, I was I was just swerved yeah. by it completely yeah. when watching it. And I, I, you know, I think I would have approached it differently if I had, but it, it's nicely done. And, you know, it is a TV thing, so it's not high budget, but it's one of those films which quite nicely works in sci-fi touches. Rather than having like a whole big world and stuff, it's more like, you know, in some of the very few scenes where they're outside, you'll see, you know, bits and pieces of like Blade Runner and stuff, but not much. There's nothing too much, so, which was quite nice. So, uh, But it, yeah, it's a very quiet, mm. very thoughtful type of film, which, um, yeah, it's definitely worth catching. <laughs> just, wish, <laughs> just wish I'd known what I was getting into before <laughs> I watched it, man. Also, we have, uh, I mean, and we're not picking every film here, but no, we no, have uh, Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great film, man. I, I really enjoyed Midnight. I mean, it, it's complete madness. I've never seen so much running in a film. It's like, if you watch, uh, back in the day, if you saw a trailer for like a 90s Tom Cruise film, or something like A Few Good, uh, and, or The Firm and stuff, the trailer would just make them look at Action Pack by seeing him run every once in a while. But Midnight is just running the whole way. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a deaf woman like witnesses, uh, kind of witnesses a murder. Uh, and you know, then the killer starts pursuing her and her mother and stuff, but they just end up running around the alleyways of Seoul. And stuff. It's, it's crazy how much, the cardio in that film is just like, wow. They, they must have been having, and they filmed some scenes on like the streets just with random bystanders who are just looking back, what the hell's, why is he running after her with a knife? But it's just, the, the killer is honestly one of my favorite film killers I've seen in a long time. It's just, the film makes no sense at all. I mean, he just, he just constantly takes insane risks and he looks so surprised that he's never caught because he's completely incompetent a lot of things he's always falling over and his, his plans are they make absolutely no sense whatsoever you know he's 
if you take like the sort of stereotype film serial killer and who makes wisecrack stuff and dial him up to 11 <laughs> then go up to 12 he's just crazy and he drives around in like pimped up murder van <laughs> <laughs> he's got all these disguises in the back <laughs> like wigs and everything as well as all these torture gear and everything like that and there's just you know it's very early on so it's probably like, the police come and he's oh no man the police are coming and he they actually see him like running and he just jumps into his van and two seconds later he's dressed as a businessman and he's got like slick back hair and glasses <laughs> and a briefcase and then you just see for no reason at all we get to see that his briefcase is full of knives it's like he's actually taken his knives and put them in the briefcase <laughs> honestly it's a great film it throws you know it's not very long uh it throws common sense to the wind but it's so much fun uh, yeah. I, I really really enjoyed that film it's very nicely shot all the acting is good and you know it's the killer he, he has such a he was one of the fellas I don't think he's very famous but he was in like a Ganjam haunted asylum um, which really let me down it broke my heart as a found footage fan but you know he's really really fun as the killer we were talking about Nicholas Say and Raging Fire it's the mm. same kind of somebody really grabbing a ridiculous role and just loving it and, yeah, yeah and the acting the acting across the board is good it, there's not much melodrama at all it's very very good sort of slick it was like um the call mm. the one on netflix everything like that which also didn't make any sense but it just kept going for it so yeah mm. midnight was fantastic man. I, I loved that Going into some of the probably the more melodramatic side of things, <laughs> um, one of the other picks uh, that um, I haven't neither of us have seen but mm. I'm quite interested in watching is uh, Free Sisters yeah, yeah which, yeah, which yeah. is produced by and stars Moon Sari. I think anything mm. with Moon Sari in yeah for you, sure you, you know you've got to yeah, there's got to give a, it a go there'll be a level of quality to yeah. it yeah and, and obviously her acting and stuff but no there, there was quite a lot of other stuff mm. there like you say which you haven't checked out but that, that's one I definitely would have seen mm. and then the, the you know it's also worth saying it's another big release from World Go USA which is out in the US at the moment, mm. which is Escape from Mogadishu. Yeah, which is Ruth Wan's latest mm. action pick. I mean, he he's he's kind of. Once again, there's a little level of quality is going to yeah. be assured with that one. Every, everything he does is, you know, sometimes a bit generic, I guess. But you know, always there's, there's going to be a level of quality. The budget's there. You know, the I'm sure I saw the trailer. Um, looks like it has good set pieces in there and stuff, so yeah, I would definitely check that out. I, General Aidid of the United Somali Congress, address the embassies of each nation. Oh, 
아예 모르고 있는 거겠죠? 
sort of sci-fi kind of setting. Yeah, that's a very interesting. I mean, it's light. It's kind of yeah, uh, colorful. It's, yeah, I thought that was a very nice take. You know, and it's always been part of the Shakespeare. Mm, you know, absolutely being about the sort of gender play. <laughs> no, no, you absolutely, and and it, and it sort of makes full use of that. Mm. But it's a very nice kind of fun film, and it's uh, it's good to see you know countries like Taiwan having their film screened that in you know these festivals around the world in this day and age and everything with. And it's a lot of solid choices there as well. The Silent Forest. I really want to see. Yeah, I do really want to see that. So that sounds. I remember seeing some in progress stuff from Berlin mm. a while back and that, that does look very good. I mean probably quite hard hitting uh, and everything with mm. sort of uh, you know student rapes and a, a debt school for the deaf I think. But that I think that'll be a very good film. And also another one that's been well liked on, on Eastern Kicks is My Missing Valentine, which is the yeah. kind of which on the surface is, is very much the typical Taiwanese romance yeah. that yeah. We're, we're very used to it's one of the things that, they, that they've done is <laughs> really kind of a staple of, yeah. of, of Taiwanese cinema but yeah. seems to have enough kind of twists in the in the genre to make it interesting so and it's, it doesn't sound like it's it's got it's the guy one of the actors in it I, I, I don't I haven't seen it so I don't know what role he plays but is the he plays like the chief pervert in Taiwanese film The Sadness he plays a completely like one of the most unhinged <laughs> perverts you're ever going to see so <laughs> yeah, fun fact to throw in there. I mean, the sadness is, is at Fantasia, but uh, you know, mm. probably a very different role. You're 我总觉得我的时间不但比别人慢，还越来越多。小时候大家都叫我乌龟，因为我做什么都慢半拍。不知道为什么，连手表都比人家慢，这其中一定有什么秘密。他应该不记得我，我小时候就认识他了。你好。And so that brings us to the end of some of our picks from New York Asian Film Festival. Mm. The New York Asian Film Festival continues until the 22nd of August. You can find out more about the films they're screening at nyaff.org or catch up on all the latest coverage from us at Eastern Kicks. previous episodes on Apple, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. But, for now, cheers. Here's to it.